it's so good to be here um, as I faff about with my iPad and try and get this up. Um, it's so good to be here um, with you this evening. Um, it, it's been years since I have been to CE um, and I've changed since I was last at CE. Um, there's more to me now. There's slightly more hair on my face. There's a lot more hair on my head. Um, there is more weight around my belly than when I was last at CE. So if you're someone like Gilly or John or Scott or Ryan, um, someone who's about CE and was here when I was here last, they'll maybe notice that change. Have you, have you ever seen a friend or a family member be impacted by a particular event, even if just for a little while? Uh, maybe think of a friend who went through a tough breakup and uh, then they were really pessimistic on their outlook on life for a few weeks or months or years or they still cry, who knows? Or maybe you've seen someone and actually they, they got out of what was an unhealthy relationship and now they're so much happier now that they're not in that relationship. Or maybe you or someone you know, they, you find a sport or an instrument or art or you learned how to skateboard. And now that you've found that new thing, it, it's kind of changed you. You know, you, you notice your friend and they're happier when they're doing that thing. They, they get really excited when they talk about playing hockey or football or rugby, about the new song that they learned on guitar, um, about finally getting to do that ollie or that pop shove it that they'd been trying to do on their skateboard. They get excited. Something has changed in them. They've got this new desire. Maybe... You're an older sibling, okay? You've got a younger brother or sister. And over the years, you'll have seen your younger sibling change because you can see them. They, they arrive as this little baby and then they grow up into a toddler that walks and talks and throws tantrums and then they grow up and maybe, maybe there's only a few years between you and they still throw tantrums. It's this idea of change that that I'd love us to spend a few minutes thinking about this evening. And it's, it's gospel change that I want us to think about um, from this encounter um, in Jesus that, that we've just had read for us. You know, if you've, if you've come to CE for a while, um, even in Scott's prayer, you've, you've heard this word gospel. And what we mean by that is the word gospel, it just means, just means good news. It's, it's a good news story of what Jesus came to do and has achieved and accomplished so that, so that people like you and me can have, uh, people like you and me who turn our backs on God, we can have this reconciled, made perfect relationship with God through Jesus. And for a lot of people, their base level understanding of the gospel is that that's the minimum requirement that, that I need so that when I die, I don't go to hell. It's that one thing I need to be, a, to be a Christian. But what I want us to see this evening is that the gospel, it's, it's not just good news for, for when we die and you know, where we're going to spend eternity. It's good news for us right now. From, if, if it's the first time you're hearing about it, for, from tonight for the rest of your life. And what we're going to do and what we're going to say is that the gospel, the gospel changes you now. And the gospel changes every part of you. We're going to look at six aspects of, of gospel change from this encounter that Jesus had uh, with the woman at the well. 
Um, but let me, let me just pray for us real quick as we turn to this. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, God Almighty, thank you that um, you are at work and you want to communicate with us through your word. Thank you that um, you love us so much that you wanted us to have all of the information available to know that love, to experience that, to read about it, and to share it with others. So, Father, as we turn to your word, may you bless us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would be at work in our hearts and our minds and that we could see the great gospel truth and that we could experience great gospel change. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Gospel change, okay? First up, gospel change is for everyone. Jesus leaves, he leaves this southern part of, of Israel, and he begins to head north, okay? But in verse 4, it said that he had to pass through Samaria. Now, if you're not already familiar, the Jews and the Samaritans, they didn't really get on that well. Way, way back, hundreds of years back, um, the kingdom of Israel, it split into a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And what happened at, um, at a certain point in time, was that that northern kingdom, it was actually invaded and taken into captivity by a much bigger and powerful nation called the Assyrians. And what happened with the Assyrians was that over time, the, the northern kingdom of Israel, they, they intermarried into the Assyrian nation. And after a few generations, there, there weren't any pure blood Israelites left. So you've got these guys in the south, and they're the purists, and they look down on these people. And there's, there's a load of other kind of political and social stuff at play as well, but they really didn't get on all of that well. So normally, if a Jew was going from the southern part of the kingdom up to the north, if they were going from Judea to Galilee, they would walk round Samaria so that they didn't have to walk through it. They would add days to their journey just so they didn't have to walk through the place that the Samaritans lived. And I guess in a Northern Ireland context, that might be a little bit like uh, a Protestant not wanting to walk through a Catholic area or a Catholic not wanting to walk through a Protestant area. And they would walk a longer way around just so that they didn't have to go through. That's the sort of segregation and background that Jesus is walking into, okay? So Jesus is crossing major cultural boundaries here, but he had to. He had to pass through Samaria. He had a divine appointment that he, that he just couldn't miss. He had to have this encounter with this woman. So not only was he crossing um, this racial and cultural boundary, he's crossing a gender boundary. He's, he's going and he's talking to this woman who is unaccompanied by herself, and, and he's crossing ethical boundaries. There, there's, a, there's a moral dilemma here as well. You see, this woman really sadly was a social outcast. Normally, women would go to the well at the cooler time of the day, in the morning or in later afternoon. They would go in groups, like when girls go to the bathroom. They would go in groups because that's what they do. But look, it's the sixth hour. It's the, it's the hottest part of the day. And this woman, she doesn't come with her friend. She comes by herself. Why? Because she's the type of woman that the other women gossip about. She's the the type of woman that the other women look down on. She's a moral outcast. But Jesus is he's reaching through this, this racial, social, gender, moral boundary in order to connect with her, in order to, for her to encounter him. How cool is that? 
The gospel crosses boundaries. This good news of all that Jesus has come to do and accomplish for us, and the songs we've been singing about it testify to it, that it reaches far beyond what, what politics or society or culture can do. I don't know if you noticed it, but in, in verse 10 of that passage, Jesus described it. He describes something like a gift from God. And if you were, if you were only eligible for this gospel based on the family you grew up in or the color of your skin or the school that you go to um, or how morally good you were, then, then it's not really a gift, is it? Because it would, it would advantage some and it would disadvantage others. But the gospel is for everyone. Gospel change is for everyone. Maybe you've heard about Jesus before. Maybe you haven't. But maybe your initial reaction this evening is, not me. I, I've done too many bad things. I've, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. I've done something that God, he couldn't forgive. Well, Jesus here in this one interaction, he shares this good news, this saving grace, this gospel change for everyone. In, in the passage that just came before, that there's a guy called Nicodemus, and he seems to have it all together. He seems like a pretty morally good guy. And Jesus says that, you know, being good isn't good enough. And this woman comes, and, and she knows she's not good enough. And Jesus says, you don't have to be good enough. The gospel is for everyone. Gospel change is for everyone. And, and the second thing that we see is that gospel change comes gradually. In this whole conversation, you see um, Jesus' patience with the woman. She clearly doesn't understand what he means by living water. And, and let's face it, we probably wouldn't know what he meant either. And we'd think like, what's this guy talking about? She misses the point, but, but does Jesus rebuke her? Does he get angry with her? Does he get frustrated with her? No. He, he actually does something really weird. In verse 16, he says, go and call your husband and come here. And you're like, okay, that's a bit of a strange one, Jesus. But Jesus is getting personal. And her response is to deflect. And we'll think about that as we go through. But she's deflecting Jesus's questions. And isn't that our response too? When, when somebody tries to get close to the heart of an issue, and we think, oh gosh, we gotta, I got to try and change the subject. We've, let's just moving on. So Jesus is able to tell her, right, okay, she says, I don't have a husband. And he says, yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband. In fact, you've had five husbands. And, and the guy that you're with now, he's not your husband. You're not married to him. And, and she doesn't even seem to acknowledge the, the dysfunctional relationship history that she has. She instead asks a question about temples and worshiping. And is it in Jerusalem or is it on this mountain? And Jesus gradually brings her back. He says, you want to talk about temples? One day you're not even going to need the temples because, and as he gets to it at the end, he'll, he'll share with her that it's him that she needs. And you see, this woman goes on from this progression in the story from, from seeing Jesus as just a man and then he tells her all this stuff that, gosh, how could he know this about me? And she says, oh, I perceive you're a prophet. And then by the end of it, she says, she realizes that he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. So gospel change can be can be gradual. If you're a Christian, don't, don't expect your non-Christian friends to, to fall in love with Jesus after the first conversation. God is patient. It doesn't, it doesn't happen 
all in a moment. And sometimes it does, and it's amazing, and it's exciting, but normally it takes a little bit of time. People take a little bit of warming up. This gospel growth, it's, it's organic. It'll take, it'll take time. It's like a wall and a tree. Weird illustration, but stick with me. If you've got the bricks, how long does it take to build a wall? If you've got the bricks and the mortar and you know what you're doing, it probably doesn't take all that long to build a decent wall. But how long does it take a mighty oak tree to grow? It takes a long time because a tree is far more complex than a wall. And for those of you who love Jesus, you'll know that in your own life as well, don't you? That the change takes time, that now... Knowing Jesus, loving Jesus, there, there are things that you used to do that you don't do, and there are things that previously you probably thought, I'll never do that. Like, like, why would I go on Saturday night and listen to some guy that needs a haircut talk about Jesus? Because you love him. Thirdly, gospel change is satisfying. We look at verse 10 in that passage, and Jesus describes the water that he has to offer as living water. Our bodies need water. In fact, our bodies are mostly made up of water. Does anybody happen to know the percentage of our bodies that are made up of water? Someone shouted out real loud. 70. I'm going to have to trust you because I didn't do biology. Is that right, Gilly? It's, it's roughly, roughly, let's say, give or take. Our bodies need water. We're, we're made up of mostly water. Um, I, I had the joy of doing a number of um, CE summer mission teams to the Dominican Republic a number of years ago. But, but one of the summers that we were out at camp with the kids, it was particularly hot. Um, 40 plus degrees. And we were constantly having to take water breaks with the kids. Even like we were doing crafts under a tarpaulin and we were still getting thirsty and dehydrated. It was that warm. And you know when, when your mouth is really parched and you really want to drink, when you're playing sport on a really warm day or you go on holiday, sometimes even just sitting by the pool, you know, you get really thirsty. And we all know what it's like to get that drink that, ah, I needed that. I needed that. So what is this living water? Because... It's not, it's not physical. You know, it's, it's not a brand. It's not like Deep River Rock or Evian. What Jesus is saying to this woman is that he has come to give her something that, that her soul longs for in the same way that, that a dry mouth longs for water. Something that is as satisfying for your soul as water is in the heat of the desert. What is it? Well, Jesus tells us in verse 14, he tells us it's eternal life. Not, not eternal life in that it's, you know, kind of like in the movies, immortality, and they go and chase like for some stone or something, or they have to, you know, find somebody to give them eternal life and they'll live forever. When Jesus talks about eternal life, what he means and what he's talking about is living a life as you were meant to, being how you were meant to be, in a relationship with Almighty God, the way that that was meant to be. And for that to be your forever. Not to, not to live forever and do whatever you want and for it to be whatever way you want it to be, but to live forever in the presence of God in the way that he has created us to live and commune with him. 
It's to be, it's to be so assured of, of his love for us. His sacrifice on the cross for us as we sang. The forgiveness that we find in Jesus. The grace that he gives us every day. That is powerful and, and that is satisfying. What we think, what, when we think about what the world looks at when it thinks of change, it, it's that idea of, of willpower, isn't it? That you just have to have enough willpower in order to change. For me, and, and Leah can testify to this, that I, I love sitting on the sofa, watching Netflix, eating popcorn, can of Coke, and it would take a lot of willpower for me to say, okay, you know, Chris, you should probably go and do some exercise, go to the gym, go to rugby training, whatever it might be. But the way that the gospel changes us, it's, it's not by overriding your desires. It's not by me trying to suppress my desire to eat popcorn and, and watch Netflix. But rather, the gospel satisfies our desires. When we look for, for meaning and purpose in other things, the gospel shows us that only Jesus will give us true fulfillment. That's why Jesus asks her to go and get her husband. She longs for, for intimacy, to be loved, and she's looking for that in all the wrong places. That's never going to fulfill. And what Jesus is doing, he's exposing this to show her that he's all that she needs. He's all that you and I need as well. Fourthly, gospel change changes everything. We've just thought about Jesus saying, I know your heart is thirsty. I know the deepest longings of your soul, and they're not being met. You've, you've been looking for fulfillment, but it isn't coming. He says, I'm the living water that you need. If you, if you try to find that heart satisfaction anywhere with Jesus, you'll, you'll have to go looking again. If you try to satisfy your soul with relationships, if I could just get that boyfriend or that girlfriend, it's never going to be enough. If you try to satisfy your soul by getting those good grades and getting into that university course that you want, it's never going to be enough. Because you'll get that and then you'll think, if I could just get that job, if I could just get that house, that car, that, that, that family. And that's never going to be enough. If you try to satisfy your soul with the approval of others that, oh, I just can't deal with people not liking me. That's never going to be enough. What happens when that one person does come along and they take a real grudge to you? If you try to satisfy your soul escaping your reality binging on that Netflix series or Amazon Prime or Now TV or whatever streaming platform you prefer, it's never going to be enough. You'll never be able to escape what was giving you stress or anxiety. There's no Netflix documentary or Amazon Prime series long enough or engaging enough to take your mind off whatever was distracting you before. You can work hard. You can work, work, work to earn some of those things. Those good grades that future job, that car, that house. And, and those aren't bad things. They are good things. You want to get good grades. It'd be, it's nice to live in a nice house. It's nice to have, it's, it's actually just nice to have a car that runs, you know. You can work for the approval of others or 
you can drink from the free living water of Jesus. But what Jesus is really saying to us here is if you really want to see this gospel change, you've got to go all in. You need to go all the way to, to heart change. And we ask ourselves, but how? The woman's asking how. She just doesn't know it. And Jesus says, in worship. Because what we worship changes how we live. The Jews and the Samaritans, one of the things that they argued over was, where was the right place to worship God? Was it in Jerusalem in the temple, or was it on this mountain in Samaria? And that's, that's the woman's deflection question, isn't it? Jesus, um, Jesus answers this, and he says, and then he, but then he goes deeper. In verse 22 of the passage that was read for us, he says, salvation is from the Jews, but the hour is coming. He's saying the hour is coming when, when I'll make temples obsolete. That little phrase, the hour in John's gospel, it's always pointing us to the cross. It's always pointing us to Jesus' death. He is saying, my death, my resurrection, that's going to change the way you worship. It's going to change everything. He's saying right now in Jerusalem, there's there's sacrifices going on so that the people can be made right with God, that their sin can be forgotten. There, there's priests in those temples and they're being the middlemen there. They're mediating between God and man, making sure that everything's all cool and smooth. But Jesus is saying, I'm about to die. And it all points to me. Jesus is saying that I'm going to end, I'm going to be the sacrifice that ends all other sacrifices. Jesus is the one who truly takes away our sin. And Jesus is that better priest who will bring us permanently and fully and perfectly into the presence of God. No more mechanisms, no more rituals, no more temples, no more holy places. You will worship in spirit and truth. The spirit of the living God enlivening and recreating a people for himself so that they can see and you can see and I can see who God is in the face of Jesus. And then we worship in spirit and truth. And because gospel change changes everything. And what we worship determines how we live. So when we get this gospel, when we get this good news, it changes everything. It changes how you walk down to the corner shop. It changes the conversation you have in school by the locker. It changes who you invite around to your house for dinner. Because you know that, oh, well, my family, we like to talk about Jesus. And how can all of this be? I've already said it. We've already sang it. Because, because Jesus went to the cross. He took our place before God's wrath and his judgment. We don't really like to think of those things. God being angry. But Jesus took our place. So we don't have to experience that. If we put our trust in Jesus. In order that, that we could receive that free gift of living water. That free gift of eternal life. That our deepest thirsts and longings and wants. All our desires would be met. When we get that, we don't really need the other things in the same way, do we? People are just people. Money is just money. Your stuff is, it's just stuff. Your relationships are just relationships. And you know what? That, that gives you freedom. It means that you're free to enjoy all of those good things that you have without them having to bear the weight of your expectations, without misplacing your hope in those things instead of Jesus. Gospel change is for everyone. 
It, it comes gradually. It is satisfying. It changes everything. And fifthly, gospel change is irrepressible. It, it cannot be contained. It cannot be restrained. It's the reason I'm so excited about it. And finally, this woman's eyes in a moment are opened to this thrilling truth of who Jesus is. In verse 25, she says, I know the Messiah is coming and he's going to tell us all things. And Jesus responds, I who speak to you am he. I'm the promised one. I'm the Messiah. I'm the one that, that all of the prophets wrote about. I'm God's chosen king. And then it's really interesting. That's the moment that that Jesus' disciples come back and they just, they just marvel. They are speechless. They marvel that, that he's talking to this woman, this Samaritan woman. Why is this woman here at the hottest time of day? Why is this woman not with all the other women like when they go to the bathroom and when they go to the well? This is an outcast woman. But they don't speak. The, the disciples don't say anything. And, but what does she do? She can't help but speak. She's had this amazing encounter with Jesus. Verse 29, she goes to, to the town and she says, come see a man that told me everything I've done. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the one that all of this other bit was talking about? She's no longer ashamed. She, she goes and she tells everyone, this is gospel change. She, she doesn't know more than this one encounter with Jesus. She doesn't have a theology degree. She hasn't even done that half GCSE and RE. But she shares what she has. She shares her story. She shares her encounter with Jesus. And by her sharing her story, the whole town comes to see him, don't they? They say, stay. He stays for two more days. So finally, the last thing we're going to say, thank you for holding on with me. Gospel change transforms entire communities. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Um, they're talking about bread, and he's like, I've already got bread to eat. And they're like, gosh, did, did Jesus bring a packed lunch and not tell us? What's going on here? But, but he goes on to tell them that he's talking about eternal life. He's talking about doing the will of the Father and, and what he came to accomplish. And they look up. He tells them that the harvest field is... is is white and ripe for picking. Some have sown and some will reap. And they look up and, and the whole town is coming towards them. Jesus sees this huge kingdom harvest. Everyone thirsting for living water. Everyone hungry for the word made flesh. And, and that's what we celebrate this Advent, this Christmas time, celebrating that God became one of us. They are hungry and thirsty for what Jesus has to offer because this woman went and told them. In verse 39 of the passage that we looked at, it says they believed. Many Samaritans believed because of this woman's testimony. And then in verse 41, it says many more believed because of his word. It started with the woman's testimony. It started with her story. But then it becomes their own story. Why? Because it's, it's no longer about what she has spoken to them, but it's because they too have heard from themselves. They too have had an encounter with Jesus. And that's what has convinced them that Jesus is indeed the saviour of the world. world. Maybe, like Scott said at the start, maybe you're not all that interested. Maybe you don't believe what I'm saying. 
You've been very mannerly. Thank you. But what if? What if an encounter with Jesus? What if reading about him might actually change your mind? What would your school be like if you went out and told your story? If you shared your encounter with Jesus? That, that if others knew how amazing this gospel change is, that they, they might want to come and see what it's all about. They might want to come to see on a Saturday night and you know listen to someone that looks like me and needs a haircut talk about Jesus. Where I live in, in Dublin, if you're a Christian... You're, you're probably the only Christian in your class. Um, I played rugby this afternoon. I'm the only Christian in my rugby team. Leah played hockey this afternoon. She's one of two Christians in her hockey team. And like having two Christians anywhere in Dublin that isn't like a Sunday service is huge. But that's how gospel change happens. In community, where ordinary people like you and me who love Jesus... We tell our friends, we share with our family what Jesus has done for us and and inviting them in to to experience, to have an encounter with the one who satisfies all of our desires. Jesus wants to satisfy you guys. He wants you to have this eternal life, to live in a way that you were meant to live with God forever. So just two questions to leave you thinking with this weekend. Will you let him? Will you let him satisfy? And then will you, will you share him? Will you share your encounter with those who need him too? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can read on these pages how, how gracious and kind and caring you are. Thank you that we can see that The gospel is for everyone. None of us are too far gone. Thank you that it changes everything for us. Thank you that it transforms the communities where you are shared. So God, I pray for these guys. I pray for Eden Derry CE that that they would find satisfaction in who you are. That their friends would come to know who you are, Lord. Father, thank you for the privilege that it is to to be your children, to call you Father, to, to rest in the forgiveness of our Lord Jesus. So God, help us. Help us to embrace this gospel change um, and to dig deeper into your word that you may transform us more and more day by day, that we may, by the power of your spirit, become more like your son. We ask all of this in his most beautiful name. Amen. Yeah,